Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 173, Students and Spacesuits. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. This one is for the students and teachers out there that want to get involved with NASA and even getting some experience with NASA before you hit college. NASA has some exciting ways to get involved in America's space agency and get real hands-on experience. An initiative called NASA Suits is doing just that, and there are some incredible challenges to get involved with where students can contribute to actual NASA missions. On this episode, we're bringing in Brandon Hargis, who is an education specialist and the NASA Suits Activity Manager, and Parameda Mitra, who is a human interface engineer and the NASA Suits Technical Lead. They're both here at the Johnson Space Center. We talk about some of the more recent challenges and how you can stay tuned for some upcoming opportunities. Let's get right into it. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit by circuit red. There she goes. Brandon and Paramita, thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. This is a really cool um, program we have, NASA Suits. I'm excited to dive into it and sort of get a background, really, on on what this program is and how you're contributing to the overall, I guess, spacesuit community. Um, really cool stuff, but but I like how we have you both here because Brandon, you're on the education side. Paramita, you're on the engineering side. I'm curious to hear about your backgrounds and uh, how this whole thing came together. How education and uh, and engineering came in, into this uh, this one project here. So, Brandon, why don't we start with you? Tell us about yourself and uh, and what you do for NASA. So, I'm a NASA education specialist in the Office of STEM Engagement at Johnson Space Center. Um, I manage a NASA Suits challenge for students, and it is a, a nationwide challenge that uh, involves undergraduate and graduate students from institutions all over the United States and its territories. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in middle grades education, a master's degree in education administration and leadership. Uh, I'm also currently pursuing a Ph.D. in education, learning, design, and technology at Oklahoma State University, which looking forward to completing in uh, December of 22. Um, and I came to NASA in 2009. I started at Langley Research Center in Virginia, and I've been at Johnson Space Center since 2015. I started out doing professional development workshops for educators and student programs and public engagement activities. And the last three going on four years, I've been um, a an IPA, and uh, that's an intergovernmental personnel um, agreement. Uh, and basically that just allows me to manage activities like NASA suits, um, as an employee here at Johnson Space Center. So I'm really excited about the activities that we're going to talk about today that, that NASA Suits is doing this year. Very cool, Brandon. And, and I love your whole background on education. You've really dedicated a lot of your, a lot of your academic life to, to learning about educating students and, uh, 
and teaching them new things. I'm curious to hear your perspective on what you're passionate about in terms of teaching them specifically about, uh, from the NASA perspective, about STEM, st science, technology, engineering, math, um, and then even even human spaceflight, some of the ways that those those two passions combine for you. Yeah, what really started me on this journey was I was teaching early on uh, in 1999 and early 2000s in uh, middle grades uh, science classrooms. I got involved with NASA professional development and, and realizing that I could engage my students with NASA missions and NASA content in learning uh, the subjects within the science classroom uh, and at a much higher rate of engagement. And the students were excited about it, excited about learning. Um, and so then when I came to NASA and was basically sharing this, this work with educators across the country and inspiring them to also consider using NASA content and missions in their, in their lesson planning and unit planning, now, with the SUITS activity being so focused on how we can have students contribute to technical solutions for NASA missions like Artemis uh, and going to the moon uh, starting in 2024, the, the idea is to, one, increase their uh, 21st century skills, uh, creativity, communication, collaboration, um, and communicate, I think I already said communication, but um, we really want to increase those skills and give them authentic experiences with technical problems. Uh, so this problem solving, which is another 21st century skill, uh, and, and also integrating the knowledge that they're gaining from the courses they're taking at institutions in computer science, but also human factors uh, courses. Uh, we've had students involved that are uh, in kinesiology or involved that were in more of um, psychology backgrounds or uh, marketing and so forth and graphics. Um, and, and having all of these diverse backgrounds coming together to offer a solution that is um, very diverse in nature, but also provide some concepts that can help uh, our technical community as they're looking to the future of what they want uh, the suit's capabilities to be. And so all of that combined, I think, provides a very rich experience for the students. It also gives them uh, material to produce new research and development in a field that is relatively new if we consider augmented reality head-mounted displays only having been out for a few, you know, just a handful of years, even though augmented reality may go back a, a couple of decades or so. Um, the work that they're doing is on the cutting edge. It's pushing the research and development in that field um, not only to benefit our technical community at NASA and the work that we're doing, but also the, the STEM community at large, the uh, higher education academic institutions at large. They're creating new courses. They're uh, revising courses as a result of uh, SUITS content. So we're just very excited about these opportunities that the student, students are having uh, and being afforded as a, as a result.
I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about this suits challenge because the augmented reality stuff I think is just so high tech and I'm trying to imagine myself as a student just being like, what? I get to do that? So that's going to be really cool to get into. But I think that's a, your, your discussion on diverse background. I think that is a perfect way to lead into Paramita. Paramita, you're on the technical side. Um, Brandon just talked about his education background. You're, you're an engineer. Tell us about yourself and your work with NASA. Yeah, so uh, I have a background in aerospace engineering in undergrad and grad school. Um, I specifically, uh, my role at Johnson, I am in the avionics systems division, uh, which is in the engineering directorate. And so uh, in, within avionics, it's a lot of electrical engineers, um, but also specifically, I'm in the human interface branch. So my primary title, I'm a human interface engineer, but I'm also a principal investigator. Um, the main project that I contribute to is the XCMU. So as a lot of you may know, um, the XCMU is uh, the next generation suit that's going to the moon. And my primary job on that suit is as the displays and controls component owner. And so um, primarily I develop uh, the display for XCMU uh, for future lunar missions. And within that display, I'm, um, I I proposed a project um, called Joint Augmented Reality Visual Informatics System. And so I proposed that to um, a NASA headquarters uh, a funding line called the Early Career Initiative. And we were actually awarded it, it, awarded it for 2020 and 2021, which is super exciting. But um, in a nutshell, we're developing all of the displays and controls requirements uh, to, on XCMU. And so that's my primary job is, is being the PI for that project while also being the component owner for XCMU. So they're pretty much, they go hand in hand. And, and in a nutshell, that's what I do. So uh, I, I guess it, to, in summary, uh, my role on suits would be as a, as a suits technical lead. So uh, as one of my many other tasks, um, leading the displays and controls work, working with Brandon, um, very lucky to have someone uh, with an education that is as um, knowledgeable as Brandon, but also from a technical standpoint, I help to guide a lot of the um, mission descriptions and statements for each year, um, which make the students, um, which help the students develop uh, technology for augmented reality, develop software for augmented reality that is most applicable to what XCMU needs um, and what the EVA community at Johnson is really looking for. So as, as a technical uh, lead for suits and, and, and in that role, um, I really help guide a lot of the mission statements for suits and, and really set up the, the EVA scenario um, for what we're looking to, to develop. See, I think what's cool about this topic, uh, Paramita, is is you were going into depth on, on just the technical knowledge that you have and your expertise on some of the work for the XEMU. But what's unique about this topic is we're talking about this, this complicated idea of doing some sort of... Uh, uh, I guess the human interface uh, sort of of engineering here, and and you're talking about bringing in students and having and having younger people contribute to the project. What do you think is the benefit here, from from your perspective as an as the engineer, to involve uh, students in coming up with some of these concepts and ideas? Absolutely, that's a great question. When I entered my master's program in aerospace engineering, I was given a problem statement. Um, I reached out to some engineers at Johnson, and I was working on a project in collaboration. 
um, with engineers at Johnson and engineers on the XCMU um, to really prove out human performance and feasibility of a, of a possible heads-up display or a head-mounted display on um, an older suit called the Mark III. Um, and so when I was entering that field of augmented reality, looking at unique displays and visual agents for the EVA workflow, I um, realized that it's a really small field and there was not, I think I found like one or two papers that I could reference um, in the field altogether um, that, you know, had, they were measuring human metrics in an EVA world while using augmented reality as a, uh, as an aid. And to me, I, I, uh, being some, being early in this field, I really was wishing that there were other universities, other programs, other professors that were trying to find solutions to these problems. And as, um, within human spaceflight in general, I think something that Brandon mentioned earlier about um, this cross-disciplinary field and having students from various backgrounds, um, I think in human spaceflight in general, and specifically on the spacesuits, um, we are engineering a, a system for that is very close to the human. Um, it is a one-person spacecraft. And so uh, that requires, that in itself requires us to be very cross-disciplinary um, in how we approach problems. We need to have a medical understanding uh, to some extent. We need to have an understanding of design, of mechanical engineering, thermal systems, electrical engineering. Um, it's kind of an all-encompassing um, problem statement within XCMU. And so for me, I think what SUITS is really providing is um, every year we turn on a new problem statement and it gives academia this entire problem space to explore and develop. And SUITS provides the subject matter experts from JSC, from NASA, who um, are directly evaluating their designs. And we're having this back and forth um, with academia and, and expanding the research and development um, for visual displays um, for the purposes of EVA and, and looking at, at human performance and looking at all of these cross-disciplinary fields. And so that's, I think, the biggest value and, and, um, and why I, I love working with suits in general. Yeah, broaden the, uh, not just keep it to just spacesuits in general, but just broaden the interest and, and awareness of this this concept, and maybe maybe get some more some more research just all across the board that could be implemented for not just spacesuits, but for for other things. I absolutely love it. Um, with that, I want to go into suits itself. You know what what is this this program? Of course, it's an acronym stands for Spacesuit User Interface Technologies for Students. Brandon, at a high level, what is NASA Suits? So NASA Suits, again, um, to kind of put this into perspective at a high level, is a mission-driven challenge for students to design and create spacesuit information displays in augmented reality environments. Um, so we ask them to create the software user interface, and we give them some, some tools uh, in a virtual community. Uh, we ask them to use off-the-shelf hardware to uh, display the software that they end up creating from that. Um, and 
it's really meant to provide solutions for the technical community, which in this case, uh, Paramita is the interface for that, uh, those solutions that come in. And so we, uh, we want to produce these solutions that the technical community can use with the student work. So um, that is uh, a nice description of, of essentially what you know what it is that that the that you're doing, but to kind of get some background um, on just you know some what what it's like I guess to participate in suits, Brandon. Some of the things that you've gone through in the past because this is not the first year that you've done suits. This is not this is not a new thing. So you got a couple years under your belt. Yeah, so in, in the first year, um, this kind of started as a, a, a meeting between the EVA manager and our, our director in the Office of External Relations. There was a conversation that took place about the need for, uh, for, for future forward development um, that wasn't necessarily uh, – ready to be worked by the technical community at NASA and our um, external relations director, who is now um, the associate administrator for the office of STEM engagement uh, at NASA, Mr. Mike Kincaid uh, suggested that why don't we have students help out with this and students can do the work uh, to create these concepts it's going to benefit them as they're looking to develop their careers, but it's also going to benefit the NASA technical community because you start to get some concepts uh, for what future work could uh, could do and what it could look like, and also to understand what some of the pitfalls might be um, and and what to what to avoid. And so this conversation uh, began, and I came on board at that time, uh, ready to to head up an activity, and was told, hey, check this out, see if there's something you can uh, develop with this. We think it would be very successful collaboration and partnership between the EVA community and the Office of STEM Engagement, at the time Office of Education. And so we had our first challenge using a task board that was designed uh, to mimic an astronaut's tasks at a uh, fixed location during an EVA or um, a spacewalk um, for uh, International Space Station. And that analog was uh, successful for a first-year pilot. Uh, so the second year, we moved on to an actual EVA task that involved a uh, mock-up at our uh, space vehicle mock-up facility at Johnson Space Center. And the students designed their software interfaces to uh, be able to repair uh, the bearing ring, uh, bearing ring roll module, the broom, uh, bearing motor ring roll module. There we go. Um, and uh, we then had them work with a, a design evaluator when they came on site for the on-site testing to train that design evaluator to use their, use their, um, their software designs and complete the tasks. Uh, it, it, it worked out uh, very well. Uh, we had uh, some great feedback from those evaluators to the teams. Uh, and as I said, last year we moved more toward a focus on Artemis missions, where we had students uh, developing solutions for uh, 
planetary EVAs for for the moon. And so um, it's been a very successful challenge so far in the last three years, again, tying the technical technical community, their problems uh, identified by the technical community and solutions then developed by the students. So, you know, this is, uh, we're talking about solutions here for, for a, uh, for a spacesuit. And I think it kind of begs the question of, okay, so solutions, it's just, um, and I'm thinking, what, what are the challenges here? And, uh, I think what's unique about this is, uh, some of these the, the, the one that we're in now, at least the challenge now, and, and Parameda, correct me if I'm wrong here, is we're talking about solving challenges for an astronaut that is walking on the moon. Is that right? Correct. So take us through some of the challenges. Okay, you have a spacesuit on. What are the challenges that are presented by wearing a spacesuit, some of the considerations just, just in general, and then the considerations of the moon itself. Well, you know, now, now the challenges of walking on another celestial body. Absolutely. So I think one of the interesting fun facts about NASA is that we have the EMU spacesuit. And I think it's a fun fact to say that it's one of NASA's current oldest spacecrafts that we've been flying continuously, Hmm. Um, but it's a spacecraft for one person. The EMU, um, the older space suit that's a microgravity suit, it's entirely gas gas pressurized. Um, So you're working against this gas pressurized volume. So physically, you're being loaded by this gas pressurized volume, and you're working against that. And so that becomes physically cumbersome. And EVA in itself is technically excuse me, typically like eight hours or so. And so um, you're physically working in that gas pressurized environment doing dexterity tasks with some bulkier gloves that have to be gas pressurized. And um, it's, it's a little bit difficult to articulate your fingers as well. Um, cumbersome, I think, would be the better word. And so physically, it's a little bit tasking. You're also, um, let's think about, uh, let's think back to the AMS repairs, the alpha alpha magnetic spectrometer, Mm -hmm. uh, those EVAs that happened, I think it was like a series of four of them or so. That was one of the most complex engineering systems that um, an astronaut has ever had to um, fix. And so you're also cognitively loaded. So you you are uh, being tasked cognitively by by, uh, having to do complex um, engineering tasks, what have you. Um, and so with the EMU, and, and in, in that sense, you're physically and cognitively loaded. Now, with the XEMU, we do have, um, uh, there's a lot of improvements that have been made to the EMU suit, primarily because this is a surface suit. We really want the, um, the bearings and, and the hip and shoulder movements to be um, a lot more seamless. Um, there's a hard upper torso in the XCMU, so you are um, mobility in the XCMU is a little bit easier than traditionally the gas pressurized um, X, excuse me Apollo suits and EMU suits. So with the XCMU in general, mobility is going to be improved immensely, but um, it will still you'll still be working against that gas pressurized environment. So physically and cognitively, crew members are uh, are quite tasked. Um, during an EVA. Now, on the moon itself, um, we're going to this completely um, new environment. Um, Today on Earth, um, we typically have landmarks which tell us which, um, like you can say, hey, turn turn left at that McDonald's and you'll get to (laughs) 
uh, Regions Bank or whatever. And so, uh, but on the moon, we don't have landmarks like that. So navigating and knowing how far you way, far away you are from, from objects or knowing how deep a crater is, um, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So on top of the physical and cognitive loading, your environment in itself um, is, is quite uncertain because you don't have landmarks or this is an unpopulated area. You're going to a completely new um, region and your primary task is to explore and be really efficient in, 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 in navigating the space. Um, if you go through, um, if, you, if you look at a geologist, what, what their primary goal is in a, while they're doing a field study is to understand the geography of that region very well. Um, and so when we're going to explore a new terrain like the South Pole of the Moon, as we are in Artemis, um, these challenges can be mitigated um, in, in a lot of different ways. And, and we believe on XMU that uh, the displays and control system uh, would be one of the ways to mitigate um, some of those challenges. So today, the astronaut gets, um, uh, I, I shouted an EVA recently, and there was uh, pretty much a, a, almost like a game of telephone with, the, with NCC and the crew. So a- astronauts currently get direction over audio. Um, and so if you've ever talked to your parents <laughs> over the phone and tried to get them to reset the Wi-Fi router, <laughs> pretty difficult. Um, so we, in the, to develop a displays and control system, it would really help to visually aid the crew member. Um, that would um, really help with some of the cognitive load that I was mentioning earlier. Um, while also um, for this year's suits challenge, we're really focusing on a big navigation element because that's probably one of our biggest um, questions uh, from uh, a displays and controls perspective, something that we're not currently able to attain. And so uh, that's, in a nutshell, I guess, what we see are some of the big challenges. Now, um you know, I'm I'm trying. I'm pretending I'm an astronaut now, and I'm and I'm in this spacesuit, and I'm and I'm imagining like like Iron Man from the movie, right? Just all these like digital things are coming up in my face, and, right. uh, and so so if all these things were coming up in my face, um, and you're talking about you know like step by step directions on on how to reset the Wi-Fi router, um, what what exactly is it that you think would be beneficial from an astronaut's perspective to have in their face? I see I see navigation, yes, but but what exactly about navigation and and then what exactly about the suit what would be a what would be some of those things that you would want to consider to have in, in front of your face so there is a concept of operations at the EVA office level um, and that really drives a lot of what the suit does it drives a lot of what the displays and controls ultimately does um, the displays and controls however are a solution for future lunar missions, um, and it's, it's probably where a lot of that uncertainty is, and we're trying to understand and explore what those feature sets are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, today, in the Joint Augmented Reality Visual Informatic System project, um, that for the Displays and Control project that I lead, the primary objectives of this display is to have procedures to be able to show procedures to the crew, and MCC controls those procedures. Mm. The other is to have a camera functionality. So there's a 
crew camera on the suit. Um, and one of the difficult things about that is that they don't have a viewfinder to be able to point that camera. They don't have any situational awareness of what that camera is doing. Um, if they wanted to uh, use that camera to guide uh, mission control, they wouldn't know what their camera is actually seeing. So the display in itself could act as a viewfinder for that camera, amongst other geology tasks like taking pictures of rock formations or what have you. Um, and then the third thing is, is this understanding the suit system state or suit telemetry. Um, and similarly, for, for the suit's design challenge, uh, we asked the students to execute procedures, execute suit telemetry, and then this other piece that we really want to explore and have academia pursue is navigation. Um, and that's why navigation is a really big focus this year for, for the challenge. So I'm I'm trying to go back to the to the Wi-Fi example, Paramita. I love I love this mm-hmm. one. So, um, yeah. you know, all the things that you would want on on, or just at least some of the considerations, right? You said you're still trying to figure it out, but but for the Wi-Fi example, right? You're you're talking to your parents, and and I'm saying I'm thinking you're doing it like over like a video call, right? So so the mm-hmm. procedures that you're talking about would be step by step instructions on. Okay, first you gotta you know unplug it, then plug it back in, or press a button, whatever. So so that would all be part of the display is the step-by-step instructions. Those are your procedures. Then the visual system, right? That camera. I love that idea that, that the, they don't really have a, an idea of where that camera is pointing. But if you were showing them something on your phone, you have instant feedback because you're seeing the view exactly. from the cam- from the camera itself, that visual system. And all of these components would be would be something that's uh, put into a, uh, an, an, a spacesuit, right? These are all things that you that help you to tell your parents how to reset the, the Wi-Fi router. But uh, we kind of take them for granted. Now imagine that in a spacesuit. That's kind of what where my brain is going here. Exactly. Yeah. That that hits it on the dot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this is how I have to think, Paramita. I'm, I'm not the engineering type, so so. But I'm I have helped uh, I have helped some folks uh, with some with some Wi-Fi routers. Um, Brandon, the the suits challenge in general. Tell me about the the challenge that we have uh, right now. We, you know, uh, Paramita already hinted towards towards this idea of navigation. What what are the students that are participating in suits right now? What are they doing? So right now we we actually just finished receiving proposals from teams, and so we're in the process review, of reviewing those proposals. But we expect the students are currently in planning to attack the tasks that we put forward to them, which which do include um, the navigation task that Paramita uh, mentioned in getting from point A to point B, getting back to the lander um, from uh, some location away from the lander, identifying geological points of interest. But also um, they're preparing for um, communicating uh, with other devices outside the suit. So um, system state tests like the the lander suit uh, port interaction where they would... uh, ingress, egress from the airlock, they're going to um, be able to manipulate some switches that will allow them to, to know what their suit consumable um, uh, status is, as well as uh, interact with another uh, direct control unit device that will allow them to see changes through, um, through their uh, software that they're developing in uh, suit consumables. 
Um, we, we also asked them to tackle a science sampling task as a part of this challenge, where they may have uh, a system that's able to interact with science tools, maybe it's tool recognition. Um, we, we leave this fairly open for them. Uh, we give them some, some broad, general goals, but we try not to be too prescriptive mm-hmm. in what we're, we're asking them to do because we want them to be very open and creative. Um, This is also a very collaborative challenge. And so uh, we encourage them to collaborate with the other teams, to garner ideas from each other, uh, and also to work with subject matter experts at at NASA uh, to, to help guide their creativity and innovation. We, we will be assigning mentors, NASA mentors, to the teams that will have some contact with them throughout the coming months after the selection process uh, is complete. And we hope that that gives the students some NASA perspective as they design toward their uh, solutions that they'll present uh, later this year in April. Um, so... Right now, I hope that they are planning, they're putting together their uh, schedule of, of work with milestones, uh, which is very important for this challenge. It's a lot of planning involved and meeting milestones and meeting those deadlines that, that uh, allow a successful project to come together ahead of their software design review that they will have uh, coming up in March. Uh, and at that point, they need to be ready to present the, the work that they're doing. And so planning right now is uh, essential to success for these teams. So, Brandon, we're getting a, a little bit of a snapshot here on, on the expectations of, of the students. Sounds like there's there's a lot of planning on the forward end, and then there's there's a presentation on the back end. So what are the expectations through the whole duration of the of the of this this program? You know what? Um, what what's happening in this time frame? That from the time that they apply and the, and they submit their proposals to the time that they're presenting, uh, what what are the students participating in? Yeah, we typically open our recruiting and open our uh, proposal process in late August. We ask them to ask student teams to submit a letter of intent to us. Uh, it's not an uh, exclusive. Uh, it does not exclude uh, teams from giving us a proposal, um, but it does give us an idea of how many teams are interested in the challenge and uh, lets us know if we we should ramp up our uh, promotion to to reach more teams. Um, But then in October, uh, usually mid to late October, we have our proposals due, uh, and so students uh, can attend uh, two to three virtual sessions, information sessions that we will host. Mm-hmm. We broadcast those out for anyone to attend, um, and we uh, typically will have Paramita or someone from the technical team uh, represented to give more answers to the technical questions that they may have. So we help prepare them along the way for what they're creating. Um, we select our teams in late November to early December. This year, our selection is taking place for a live selection show, which will be hosted on um, November the 17th uh, and recorded. So it'll be available on YouTube, the NASA STEM YouTube channel afterward. Um, and then from really that point on, they are designing their 
creating, um, putting together this uh, solution that they're going to um, configure within their augmented reality headset. This year we have a virtual challenge, and so students will not be traveling to Houston in April, but they will ship their uh, devices after completing the software design review in March. Um, the, those devices will be shipped to JSC for us to test here on site in a scenario that we've developed to uh, help them um, meet all of these tasks that we've asked them to, to complete. Um, and so that software design review is very important because it helps us understand more about the work the students have put into their design, uh, how it works, and whether it's ready to be tested when it arrives here. So that's really kind of the rundown um, up through the test week. After our test week, students are asked to submit a draft of a white paper that they will attempt to have published in a technical journal or at a technical conference that we asked them to work with their faculty advisor in uh, creating this publication. It provides them with um, practice in writing research papers, but also an opportunity to get published and to present their work to the wider uh, technical community. Uh, that is typically due within a month after the uh, test week, and then they have uh, the remaining time after that to seek publication and update us on the success of their of their publications. Uh, we then begin our planning processes for the following year, for the next cycle, and we start all over again uh, the next August. See, if, uh, if I'm a student here, I mean, that sounds the expectations here are, are, are so high, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm a student, like, wow, that's, uh, that's certainly a lot of work, but, but then at the same time, it's all work that, that pays off and, and, you know, you're talking about publication, you're talking about spreading, spreading your ideas to, to a much larger community. And I think that's something a lot of people can get behind and, and be passionate about. Paramita, I'm, I, I know in the beginning, you mentioned when you were a student, you know, you tried looking for, for some of these concepts because because you were interested in them and, and you you had some trouble finding um you know all these papers you know but so it sounds like this is a way for for more papers to be submitted uh but at the same time you know if i'm a student and i want to learn about this and participate in in this challenge um where would you point students to to go ahead and start learning now so they can participate in suits uh maybe later on absolutely so i the field of humans and aerospace, as a lot of people call it, or human systems integration, um, is is really a, uh, approachable by a lot of different, uh, I guess, engineering disciplines or, or educational disciplines. But for the suits design challenge specifically, um, it is a software design challenge. And if you're building on uh, software for a specific augmented reality headset. Many of the popular ones are the Microsoft HoloLens um, and the uh, Magic Leap headset. Uh, primarily, students will develop uh, their software in a game engine. So when you're developing augmented reality software, you're working in a game engine, and that game engine is called Unity. Um, and so, honestly, YouTube has plenty of tutorials for uh, learning on uh, how to develop in Unity. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, 
for the Microsoft HoloLens, Microsoft has a suite of um, helpful resources. They have tutorials online. You can just Google how to develop <laughs> apps for the Microsoft HoloLens, and you'll just come across um, a huge user community. Um, we also have some Slack channels that we've um, pointed the students towards uh, that are just developed developer communities um, for the software design aspect of it. There's also this other aspect of Suits where we do uh, human-in-the-loop testing, um, and uh, we really have to be thoughtful about human-centered design. Um, and for that, uh, human factors courses and the field of humans and aerospace is rather new. I would say probably in, in the mid to, to late 90s is, is really when things started gearing up. Um, as you might know, there's um, also a human systems integration employee resource group here at JSC um, to, to ensure that we are focusing on human-centered design. But that field of study, um, there are universities and programs and graduate programs um, that offer classes in human factors. Um, I took uh, a lot of my classes in graduate school were in a computer science department for human-computer interaction, human-robot interaction, fascinating fields of study. Um, and so I would suggest looking to those classes and taking those classes. Um, one of the pieces of suits is, is asking the students to develop human-in-the-loop studies to um, validate their designs. And so um, how do you set up a human study? What are the factors and objectives of the, of the study that I'm trying to measure um, and being really thoughtful about your uh, population size and, and the people that you're, you're, you're measuring. Um, so a lot of that is available. I would suggest taking those classes and, 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 um, and really look, digging into the literature of human factors and human systems engineering. So um, those are probably the two primary tenets of, of suits as a whole. See, Paramita, and the other thing oh, go I ahead, would add to that is is just to say that um, uh, for the challenge itself, I would I would also direct students to go to stem.nasa.gov/artemis, where they can find suits as well as the other Artemis student challenges, and we keep that information up to date um, throughout the year as we move toward the next round of. Of challenges, and so um, we put a lot of the the resources and things that they're going to need for uh, writing a proposal, as well as reading about the current challenge on there. Um, also, Paramita brought up uh, Microsoft and a lot of the, the the things on Hololens that the students can read about and can view. Um, we do have a Space Act agreement with Microsoft. Uh, that was developed as an annex uh, for suits uh, for our challenge in particular that helps connect the HoloLens division with our technical community, but also provides, um, you know, opportunities to uh, collaborate with them and work with them in making suits an, an even more enriching um, challenge. But that doesn't mean that we um, only ask students to use a HoloLens. It's open for them to select any um, augmented reality platforms, head-mounted displays, peripherals that they choose to use. We've had teams with uh, Magic Leap. We've had teams using um, a haptic glove 
from another company that was uh, integrated. And so um, it's it's very much open, and there's lots of resources out there, and we're always looking for ways that we can include those resources in our um, virtual course that we um, enroll the students in uh, as a start in uh, in December usually every year. So uh, just lots of great things for them to uh, to learn more and be prepared. I love that. You know, if you're uh, if you're kind of overwhelmed by saying, man, this is so cool. How do I get involved? That there is just a plethora of resources uh, for you to explore. Brandon, anything else that you'd like our audience to know for those who might be curious and, and want to participate in suits, um, something to look out for, some some date to put on their calendar, uh, some skill that you think would be valuable to participate with NASA, something that you'd like our audience to know. Well, one of the things I would point out too is that over the the past three years and now working on our fourth years, we've worked with over 50 different institutions across the United States from um, this year, um, uh, Puerto Rico, all the way uh, out to the West Coast in California, uh, north, south. So this challenge is open to all U.S. institutions, and we look forward to seeing those proposals coming in. The other thing we're very proud of is the number of minority-serving institutions that are involved in our challenge. This year, we received um, 40% of our proposals came from minority-serving institutions. Last year, that number was around uh, 34%. 10% have historically been from community colleges. Uh, We've reached um, um, over... 25 states. I want to say the number is somewhere between 26 and 30 at this point, and um, and Puerto Rico. And so we're very, very um, uh, happy that we're getting the word out that we're open to all uh, of these of these uh, students to to come and participate um, and bring those diverse ideas and backgrounds to the challenge. Uh, it only makes our challenge better. It only makes those solutions better. Um, if I could point to anything coming up that students uh, out there that are listening or uh, faculty or those who are just interested and want to, to find a way to participate, um, we are having um, um, our test week in April. Uh, on the 23rd, there will be exit pitches provided by the students that will recap their work and tell more about the solutions that they've created. Uh, we expect that that will be open uh, for attendees as part of a Microsoft Live event that will be hosted um by our team. We'll have a panel of experts involved. Uh, Times and dates for that will be released at a later point, but you can always follow uh, the NASA STEM engagement uh, Twitter account uh, where that information will go out and uh, probably be posted among other NASA social media accounts as well. But look for that to come up in April, and you can see the work that the students are doing and see how um, you might be able to get involved with suits in the upcoming challenge for 2022. So in summary, I would just say that suits is an incredible opportunity for students to get involved, um, both from a software development perspective and really enhancing your skills um, from that from that angle, but then also um, 
I think the humans in aerospace, the, the human spaceflight problem, really presents a cross-disciplinary problem space uh, for a lot of different uh, educational backgrounds to be involved in. And so I know that personally for me, design team experience in undergrad and graduate school was pivotal in um, the, some of the skills I've translated into my career today. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm glad and honored to be a part of SUIT um, and, and really enable um, other students to learn in the field of augmented reality and human spaceflight. This is a very exciting challenge. Uh, Brandon and Paramita, thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast uh, to describe all this fantastic and, and very interesting and, uh, and futuristic, really, uh, work. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Gary, so much for having us on um, Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Yes, thanks, Gary, for having us on Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, we're really excited about uh, talking about suits today. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope this uh, piqued your interest on participating in some of our uh, STEM engagement activities that we have at NASA. If you want to learn more about this program in uh, particular, it's part of the Microgravity University that we have. Uh, it's based here at the Johnson Space Center. So that website is uh, microgravityuniversity.jsc.nasa.gov. Uh, you can go to our episode webpage. We'll have a link there right there where you can go uh, from the uh, episode webpage right to to the Microgravity University site. Uh, we have a lot of other podcasts that you can listen to in no particular order from this podcast. Houston, we have a podcast. A few times on this episode, we referenced the XEMU. It's one of the spacesuits that we have. Uh, we did an episode on that suit uh, and a lot of the details of that suit. It was episode 120, Artemis Spacesuits, uh, and we talked in depth about that spacesuit. You can go check that out uh, if you want to learn more about that spacesuit. But really, you can listen to any of our episodes in no particular order. NASA.gov slash podcasts. This is where we're located, as well as a variety of other NASA podcasts that we have across the agency. You can talk to us on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show, and make sure to mention it's for us at Houston We Have a Podcast. This episode was recorded on October 28th, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, Jennifer Hernandez, Anisha Engineer, and Danae Fullwood. Thanks again to Brandon Hargis and Parameda Mitra for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and some feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think. We'll be back next week.